If you are in the 81% of aspiring authors out there, stop aspiring and start writing with Readsy. Readsy allows indie authors to find and work with the best publishing professionals, from developmental editors to book cover designers to publicists. Just sign up for an author profile, browse the extensive marketplace of professionals, find the best fit for your project, and set a collaboration in motion. And with built-in contracts, protection, and mediation from Readsy, finding qualified freelancers, editors, designers, and marketers as a self-published author just got a lot easier. Go to readsy.com today to sign up and set your first collaboration in motion. That's R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com. There's distinct stages and you should expect those stages, challenges and setbacks. I still don't really understand how I do it. It's going to be work and you're going to suffer for your art. (laughs) That sort of story is inspirational to a lot of wannabe writers out there who feel they have a book in them but are living a totally different life at the moment. And and the answer to that, I think, is both. You know, it's going to be exciting, you're going to have breakthroughs, and you're also going to suffer and have setbacks, and that's all part of the same journey. Taking a book the whole nine yards, from an idea in your head to words on a page, from a scribble on a napkin to a listing on Amazon, that's easier said than done. But it's also easier than you'd think. I'm your host, Casimir M. Stone, and this is Readsy's Bestseller, the podcast demystifying the process of self-publishing a book for aspiring novelists everywhere, one episode at a time. This is our season four epilogue, the beginning. A year ago, we launched this podcast to explore the creative process of the indie author. Instead, we wound up talking about people. Entrepreneurs, career writers, fan fiction enthusiasts, former CEOs, and my biggest fan slash doctor of dental surgery slash mother, all of whom somehow found interest in the same creative journey, writing and self-publishing a book. Finally, we landed on Tim Segelski, author of The Creative Journey, a textbook on creativity he spent many years and many distinct creative processes writing, in order to teach a class on creativity that he also created. But through that particularly unique journey, Tim found himself not only with a best-selling book on his hands, but also a new sense of purpose, and an understanding of why he's even writing in the first place. My mission is to tell other people's stories. And so, I mean, I guess you can call that personal brand if you want, but it's really kind of like a mission of how can I collect stories and how can I tell them in a compelling and meaningful way for other people, and for myself. And then he published it. And then it was over. And Tim found himself in the same place we all wind up after finishing a creative project. He held in his hand something that didn't exist before, that came entirely from his own imagination. Something that, although it was packed full of other perspectives, Tim had created for himself. You know, I think all books obviously are ultimately written for yourself. And then he had to ask the question we all inevitably do. What next? What's next in this middle stage and what 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 do I where do I take the next step? When reading a book, the beginning is the first thing you read. For some weirdos out there, the ending is too. When writing a book, they're often the first things you come up with, but in real life, they're never that clear cut. What does it mean to start creating? What does it mean to stop? How do you translate a concept to writing that barely exists in real life? I mean, sure, we all begin, and eventually, we'll all end. 
but in between, we're journeying constantly. Well, perhaps through those journeys, we'll find the answer. Take one last time the creative journey, for example, which wasn't Tim's first creative process and surely won't be his last. Um, I do know I want to do more with the book. I want to turn it into an audio book. Um, I want to see you know, how I can build a bigger audience. For one thing, he's still creating and teaching classes at Marquette University. And uh, I'm actually talking next Friday with two other professors about um, a new version of the class co-taught with two others. So um, with a theater professor and an English professor. So I've never done that before. Um, and it's a new type of class. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. So creativity and curriculum design even. Yeah, exactly. And he's already waist deep into another book full of other people's stories. You know, like right now, like I said, I'm working with a, um, a company to tell their story. And it's, it's, it's super exciting to, you know, find their stories, to interview people, to, um, to dig those up and, and realize, like, you know, this, this kind of was what I was trained to do 20 years ago. Even if this one really wasn't written for himself. Writing books for myself has actually opened doors for that as a professional skill. Um, and right now I'm helping a local consulting company write their book. And um, I'm already 40,000 words into it. So it's just, we've been doing a lot of work on that. Yeah, tell me a little bit about um, that, that project. Because, you know, it's not, I guess it's not a... Um, project for you it's not another book or like the whole curriculum but it, it, it's its own creative process as well so i'm really curious like how you kind of um found that and what you know what you're bringing to the table uh with that project yeah actually so it came from linkedin of all places um someone put out there that she was looking for a ghostwriter for their their book um they're a consulting company that's been around for 25 years uh training training companies around the country on leadership and um, you know, so on, on the surface, like that sounds like maybe kind of like a straightforward or boring business book. And I'm finding as I do interviews with people, because when I, you know, I talked to this, um, these, you know, the owners of the company, I was like, you know, my process is I just like interview people, hear their stories and then write them and see what themes come of them. And, uh, and as I'm doing that, I'm like, I'm, I'm hearing some just incredible, stories from people, um, the humanity from people, you know, um, you know, plant managers in small town, Wisconsin, uh, you know, um, vice presidents of manufacturing companies in Tennessee, uh, who have these really in-depth rich stories. Um, you know, what do they do when an employee dies and tragedy strikes? Uh, what happens when someone quits or their highest performer leaves, um, and they're stuck and they're afraid and they don't know what step to take next. Um, and I realized, like, you know, there's actually a huge amount of humanity in this, these business stories that I wouldn't necessarily have known had I hadn't taken on this project. That's one way to start writing again. Ghostwriting isn't just for washed-up celebrity memoirs anymore. There are new listings looking for it every day. Tim said it from the start. People just want their story told. And if you stand to make tens to hundreds of thousands telling it, as ghostwriters now do, all the better. It's a great way for writers to keep writing if they're looking for work or feeling creative but aren't working on a book. Or if you have a story to tell but aren't sure how to start telling it, you can always find one for yourself in the Readsy Marketplace. 
But for Tim, ghostwriting just served as an unexpected way to keep telling other people's stories, even after his own creative journey was over. 20 years ago, if you told me when I was in journalism school, hey, you're going to be writing a business book with a consulting company <laughs> when you're 38. Well, that doesn't sound like something I would do. Um, but I realized like, oh, that's the, they have stories too. With journeys, we usually think of a path from point A to point B, but it's not always even that linear. Articles from Tim's reporting days formed the basis of the creative journey. Viral posts from the election cycle helped it to sell. He recycled those posts and pages from his book to keep the audience engaged long after it was published. We're all on creative journeys constantly, writing books and composing captions and figuring out what to say to the person across from us, learning from each and applying it to the next, and after a while, they all start to blend together and look the same. We go off on a mission, we gather information, and we return. Perspective expanded, self-bettered, ready to pass it forward. Doesn't it always feel like we're at one stage of that or another? The thing that I like about the model of the hero's journey is even though there's a start and a finish, it's actually a circle. There is no start and finish. The hero's journey is an example of a circular ending. The final stage mirrors the first stage, like how Shakespeare always started and ended on a wedding or, you know, on a death. But despite the monomyths, you know, mononess, there are plenty of other ways to end a book. Jane Austen always ended with a summary, basically the Sparknotes versions of everything that had come before it. Haruki Murakami prefers open endings, refusing to give closure to the plot, characters, or readers. And as for twist endings, well, if you've made it 20 years without learning the end of Fight Club, I won't spoil you now. So how do you end a book? And how do you start a new one? For Tim, even that simple question wasn't that simple. My first chapter, I, I, I started in the middle. I, wrote, I literally called it the middle. <laughs> For some inconceivable reason, beginning in the middle didn't work too well. So instead, Tim started at the end. As I read it back, I'm like, yeah, it's just a little too high concept. Like, I'm trying to be too clever. And so I just eliminated the middle and started at the end. <laughs> so. Books always seem to begin at just the right place. But there's obviously a lot more to it than that. Beginnings actually have to serve pretty specific functions in writing. They should introduce characters, conflict, and questions while simultaneously answering those W's Tim was always so fond of. And they need to be mystifying, but not too mystifying. The idea of like starting at the end, um, I, I was like, is that too conventional? <laughs> Start at the end. So, um, so you know, a lot, of, a lot of books, a lot of articles, a lot of movies, they'll start at the end and then flash back. And, um, you know, no spoiler alert, but like the sixth sense and like things like that, like they, uh, they tell you what happens at the end and then they, you get curious about how do you get there and what happens, you know, once you're, once you've, um, reached the final stage. Um, so, so that was really just like, yeah, that's how it was, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a cool narrative device just to tell people, all right, this is where we're all going to end up. This is the last chapter of your story. How are you going to write the chapters you know, in between? point is, beginnings need some thought put into them because they're not really a natural thing. We can find them anywhere in real life. Everything just keeps beginning and ending all the time. You're constantly going around and around. You know, if you, if you just Google the hero's journey, you'll, you'll see that kind of graphic and that circular. So that's why narrative structures are useful. Beginnings only exist when creating a narrative. So they're just another tool we need to be taught how to use. Yeah. So one thing, one technique I, I share with my students, it's called clearing your throat. 
And it just means that, you know, before you find your voice, sometimes you have to clear your throat a few times and get the gunk out. And so just start in the middle, start where, you know, you're not sure if this is going to stick, but you're just, you just kind of go with it. And then usually, you know, maybe two thirds down the page or two chapters in or wherever, that's where you, that's when you find the real middle or the real beginning of your book, but you can't get to that beginning until you get through the gunk (laughs) until you like kind of wade through the stuff to get to the start line. It's also why first lines are so fun to think about and so tricky to nail. Every once in a while, our inbox is flooded with hundreds of submissions for hashtag first line frenzy, a Twitter event thrown by one of our editors where she offers to critique any author's opening line for free. Most of them are something along the lines of it was a queer sultry summer and every unhappy family called me Ishmael, but hey, who can blame them? Want to kick off with a little philosophy? Look to Tolstoy. He pulled it off. Prefer to start with the minimalist route? Ralph Ellison had it down. Sylvia Plath used beginnings to set mood. Agatha Christie used them to give clues. And there are about a dozen more ways you could start a story. All of them serving some narrative purpose, establishing structure, facts, voice, authority, or all of the above. So the best way to figure out how to begin or end your creative project is to look to others to see how they did. And so like the, the cadaver lab, uh, you know, we have a, you know, a gross anatomy lab here on campus. And normally I do take the students, but it's, it's usually like the third week of the class. And, uh, this past semester, um, the Dean who actually teaches this brain brain class and gives the tour, he was busy like the nor- the week I normally take them. He's like, do you have any like other dates? I'm like, well, the first day of school. And he's like, perfect. Let's do that. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to go all in and show and talk about death and, and on the first day of class, um, from a more, uh, teaching side of things, other than just the meta- metaphor of like life and death was, um, we were also able to kind of see how the brain works, uh, because the, this professor teaches a, a world renowned brain course. So kind of looking at like, you know, what is creativity and where does it, where does it, how does it happen in mechanically in the brain? The answer to that question is dopamine, by the way, known to increase creativity and also mental illness. You know, I, I'm really taking a risk by telling them on their very first day, we're going to go in this class and, um, and, and talk about life and death and kind of see what does it all mean? Um, why do we do this? And then of course, in the chapters talking about, you know, if you were to die, if you, you were to write your own obituary, what do you want to stand for? And, and that's probably more than, you know, what's on your Instagram feed or, you know, what test score you got, what do you want to produce? What do you want to create and what's your legacy? Um, so that's kind of what I, the, all the different factors that went into why I started at the end. Um, and I think it, I think it works. I was really glad that we can kind of show people creativity really matters on a deep fundamental level. But it's true, isn't it? There's only one definitive beginning in life and one definitive end. So not to sound too morbid, but I guess I could probably die now because <laughs> I've done that, fulfilled those things. Um, but you know, I, like I said in the, you know, spoiler alert, but like at the end of the book is like, you know, the end of the journey is just the beginning of the next journey. So whether that's my next journey um, or passing on this knowledge to the next generation, like, what do you want to do next? Um, and that's something to think about after you kind of completed one journey is how do you transition into the next? And coincidentally, or, you know, not, Tim is pondering this question at a very transitional stage in his own life. Kind of on that topic of the beginnings and endings, I recently passed 
the statistical midpoint of my life. <laughs> um, so 76.1 years old is the average life expectancy for an American male. And I just passed age 38. So I'm about 38.2 or so. Uh, so, uh, you know, a midpoint is a crucial point in the journey or any of those kind of models where you sort of take stock of where, where you've been, um, where you want to go, what you want to do next. Um, and, and it's also like kind of a discernment period where it's okay to not really know where you're taking the next step. Tim's creative journey, writing the creative journey, is over, and he's not sure where he's going next. But that's okay. He knows that the next stage is always on its way, and all he needs to succeed at it are the lessons he's learned from the ones that came before. What lessons do you take um, from your previous creative projects with you into the future? So I just finished reading um, a book by Daniel Pink called When, and it, it talks about timing. So I'm like, now I'm seeing, you know, timings everywhere. And, uh, you know, kind of bring it back to that midpoint thing. He said that when people reach a midpoint of any project, it increases the urgency and sort of clarifies what they need to do next with their time left. Um, so it kind of clarified for me, like I, you know, went to journalism school and I was a journal journalist for a short time and then wasn't. And it sort of got me back in touch with my roots that like, I still, I still want to tell people stories, you know, no matter what format it is, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a newspaper. It doesn't have to be in a magazine. It could be, but it could be to take other forms like a blog or a book. Um, so it reminded me that I do want to do these stories. I do want to take these steps. All that matters is that we continue to create. For many of you, that probably means a self-published book. As it was my pleasure to help you discover over these four seasons, it's easier than ever now to do that. But if you don't have one ready to go quite yet, that's okay too. You're still researching. You're still branding. You're still communicating. You're still creating. And it's the same kind of principle I, I had in my, my book where it's like these sort of, these people you wouldn't necessarily call creative on the surface, you know, like the inventor of the cheese head was a guy who worked at a, you know, uh, a manufacturing company and he made the first cheese head out of couch cushions. You know, that's not the first thing that comes to mind when you think of creative, but that's the point. It's like creativity lives in everyone. It can come out in a lot of different ways. Um, so as I'm kind of telling these business stories and these leadership stories, I'm, I'm learning again, you know, what I believed 20 years ago that everyone has a story. Everyone has a compelling story. You just have to do the work to find it and tell it. And that is what creativity comes down to in the end. Leaving your perspective behind in fragments. Stories and illustrations and text messages and captions. And passing on what you've learned in the hope that, in the future, the cycle continues. I mean, that's the, and that's why I kind of talk about in the first chapter... Um, you know, what my, what one of my professors and mentors told me was that before you die, everyone must write a book, uh, have a child and plant a tree. And, and I, like I said in the book, like that's not literally those three things. Like you don't have to have a child. You don't have to write a book. You don't have to write a tree, but what, what do those things represent for you? Um, and you know, metaphorically, like how do you provide for the next generation? You know, how do you provide for the earth? Like, what do you, how do you, how do you produce knowledge? And, and so for me, like the, literally the book was that book, <laughs> that part of the equation. Cycles don't have start and end points, but stories do. And this one is coming to a close. Who knows what's coming next? Not us. That perpetually 
is for sure. But we all have to find a way to end our lessons, even Tim. The biggest thing, again, was just always at the very end, knowing like, when are you done? Where is the finish line? I met with my mentor, again, the guy who's one of the guys who's in the book, Paul, who was, you know, helped me so much when I was writing as a college student, still write, helps me today. And he, again, he was the guy who wrote the, the Tuscan trilogy novels and, and books himself. And I asked him, how do you know when you're done? And uh, he was just like, sometimes you just have to say you're done. <laughs> the bell was ringing and it was time for Tim to wrap up. So he fell back on what he'd learned one final time. I can't remember exactly how I ended there other than just like that's just the literal end of the hero's journey as you come back and you share. Um, you share what you learned. You've been transformed. You're different. You're no longer the person you were at the beginning. And so now you have to co- go back to where you started from. And they call this the return of the elixir. And so you, you know, you, sh- you, you, you share for the next generation, for the people at your village, uh, for everyone you work with. Um, here's what you can also learn if you take the step, if you go on your own hero's journey. Here's what I found now. Here's, here's what you can do as well. Um, and so I just, you know, shared examples of people who did that. And it so happens that one of the stories or I, I, I have been exposed to and learned was one of our, it was an animator at Pixar who shared his own story, his own personal story, the, 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 the lava story, um, story of the volcano who wanted, uh, someone to love. And so I shared that and other examples of how people, you know, once they learn their creative power, how they bring it back and share it with others. But by the time the creative journey was published and well on its way to becoming a bestseller, Tim had already realized he'd returned with the elixir too. And indeed, it was something he'd had with him all along. I guess my final question would be, what is the elixir that you feel you've returned with um, after this creative journey? Wow. (laughs) Um, So, I I mean... you know, kind of return to what I said before. It's kind of funny, you know, in the hero's journey, you always, you, you tend to find that the thing that you, you learned was within you all along, which is kind of a cliche, but it's, you know, it's, um, it's that you have to go outward to find what's, what was always inward. And, uh, and for me, I found that like, I still, I still love to write. I still want to write and I still love telling people stories. And I, I remember like when I had that revelation, I was biking to work. Um, and I was on the streets and it just was like, oh my God, that's my mission. My mission is to tell people stories. <laughs> and I've been doing that in one form or another for decades. And, and that is what I need to continue to do in one form or another. So the elixir that I found was that I can, I have this power to tell people stories and I can also, I also have this power to help others learn how to tell people stories, how to tell their own stories. At the end of his creative journey, Tim knew exactly where he was. He'd returned with the elixir, a sense of purpose, a clear mission to write through other perspectives and to pass on that powerful, simple practice of telling other people's stories. But in his life's journey, he's right in the middle. He knows for sure that a new journey will begin soon, and even with the knowledge of that definitive end down the line, Tim seems fine. He doesn't need to know exactly where he'll be, or what he'll be doing in a day, or year, or decade from now. And he doesn't just sit around rereading the creative journey, either. For Tim, 
It's all about the process, not the progress. He's alive and he's creating. What the hell else even is there? The thing about our lives is, yes, there's a beginning and the end, but that you're always somewhere in those stages and you just might not know where you are until you open your eyes. Um, so it's kind of a meta, I guess, um, elixir where I could, I could do it myself, but also give it to others so they can continue that cycle. Brought to you by Reedsy, this was Bestseller. Thank you for listening.